Uh, there we go. What I want to share on this morning, I want to talk about over the next two or three weeks about our apostolic calling, our apostolic calling. But I want to break it down to become very practical so you can see how this actually affects the way you live. And uh, we're moving in a time now when God is shifting the church. And uh, today I want to start off the series on your apostolic calling, or our apostolic calling. I want to, uh, this message particularly today is identifying your metron. You say, well, what's a metron? Well, it's a Bible word that's not so easy to translate. Roughly put, it's your sphere of influence. But I want to just uh, open up today, and we're going to look and ask the questions, what, does an, what is an apostle? What is apostolic? What does that mean? And then, well, how does that relate to me? And what does God expect, or what is God calling me to do? Because if I can't translate this into a way to change my life, I can't apply what I'm learning, nothing happens, just the head knowledge. And uh, so we're going to open up Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And it says this, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place he himself would come. Notice Jesus intended to come, and before he came and manifested himself personally, he sent uh, a group of 70 people out. And uh, recently, uh, you would have heard us use this word apostle, apostolic, but worldwide, God is speaking to the church to begin to change and become mission-minded. Uh, worldwide, God is pulling the church to address the harvest. Worldwide, God is pushing the church to come out of its four walls and go out and become a church without walls, interacting with the community, seeing people saved and their lives changed. And that's happening worldwide, everywhere. Now, the apostolic reformation that's taking place, the word reformation in the Bible means to set something back in order that's not working right. So if you had a dislocated shoulder, it's not working right. You can't move it like you should. It won't work like it should. It needs to be reset. The resetting of the shoulder is the word reformation, to reform. It's to put back into a function as it was originally intended to function. So worldwide, God is reforming the church. And the current reformation is what's called an apostolic reformation. In the 1500s, it was the Protestant reformation. Martin Luther stood up and protested against certain things that were happening, made declarations about some things that were happening, and a reformation took place. So what's happening now is there is another reformation taking place. Reformation means God is speaking and giving grace into the church to change what the church is like and how it operates. We tend to look back, and the only reference point we have is what we ourselves grew up with, what we're currently doing. But we need continuity to look and to say, Jesus, what are you doing with your church? How can we cooperate with you in the day we live? It says in Acts 13, David served his generation by the will of God. He was a massive reformer. So we look and we say, oh, great, was a great man. But if we want the greatness of David to be in our lives, we have to hear what God is saying to the church today and say, yay, Lord, I'm your man. We want God to say, there's some people after my own heart. They're not trying to live in the past. They're not trying to hearken back to something that once happened. They're not talking about a testimony 20 years ago. They're actually currently experiencing the life flow and power of God, and they got connected to what I'm doing now. And the way we keep life and vitality, one of the most important ways, is staying current with what God is doing. 
So the word reformation means to set in order something's not functioning right, so it does. The word apostle means to send out on a mission. It's the word to send someone out on a mission. So that means if you're an apostle, you have been sent by someone to do something. You're sent on a mission. That word apostle, uh, uh, it comes from the word apostello, a Greek word, but it's also commonly used in Jesus' day when a Roman general went out to conquer some land and to advance the Roman Empire, he was apostello, sent out. So we, we tend to think of an apostle, oh, I don't know, maybe Paul, maybe Peter, we, we, t- we put it out there. Instead of actually understanding, apostolic means a person sent on a mission to go into an area and begin to advance the kingdom of the one he represents. Okay? So God is moving the church from being pastoral. We gather in and, and we share and we comfort and encourage one another and, and uh, we share our hurts and pains and our needs are met. God's calling the church to grow and go now out into the community. Do we stop the caring and the, and the, and the connecting? Yeah, no, we don't. That's all part of being a body of people. It's being a family of people. But God's saying he wants his family to get active in the world, active in the community. So apostolic reformation means God is re-engineering and shaping the church so it begins to function like he wants it, and every believer goes out and begins to discover what it means to advance the kingdom of God most wonderful thing that God has done, the most exciting thing that I have been a part of in all of my life. It just is a great season of change. In Romans 1.1, we still look at the example of Paul. It says here, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel. Now, this is Paul. He's saying, Paul, it's Paul. Paul, I'm writing the letter. Notice what he says, first of all, I'm the servant of God. You become the servant of God when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Who here is the servant of God? Every person here is the servant of God. Okay, now what else he says? I'm the servant of God. That means my life is geared around discovering what God wants. So notice he said, I'm the bondservant of Jesus Christ, called. And that word called means that Jesus extended an invitation. Or really, when the king invites you to do something, it's kind of not just an invitation, is it? You know, he's calling you. He's, he's saying, this is about what your life is about. So he said, God called to me. He made an invitation, which I had the power to say no to, but he invited me to what? He invited me to be an apostle, someone who would go out into territory where there were demonic powers infesting and people in darkness and to bring the life and power of God and to release them and set them free. What an amazing thing he was called to do. Notice it, separated to the gospel of God. In other words, he then looked at his life and he said, there are some things which are baggage, unnecessary entanglements. I need to get rid of them so I can focus on what I'm called to do. Many believers today have so many entanglements in their life, they can't actually focus on doing the one thing God wants them to do, discover what they're called to do and fulfill it. How about you get to the end of your life and you've been so busy doing all these things and the one thing that counted eternally, you never did it. You would not call your life a success. You would say, I've missed the mark. And Paul said, I have run my race. I finished my course. There's a crown laid up for me. He focused 
on what he was called to do and he freed himself from entanglement so he could be able to do it fully. Is that the idea? And so he was called to be an apostle. And he, he, he did this by receiving the grace of God. In 1 Corinthians 15 he says, I am what I am, I'm an apostle by the grace of God. It's not my deal, God called me. I just said yes. One my idea, never thought it up. And he said, and then I said, I, I was actually more successful than any other possible apostle, but it wasn't me, it was the grace of God. I just said yes and gave myself 100% to this thing and God did amazing things through me. Even though I wasn't one of the 12, I'd done more than them all. And not me, the grace with me. How did the grace come? I said yes to the call of God. I said yes to what God wanted. I said yes, and I disentangled myself from religion and clutter and everything so I could do one thing, please Him. See? Now, you and I are called to be an apostolic people. We're not called necessarily to be apostles, although maybe some among you God will raise up for that. But all of us are called to be apostolic. Notice what it says here in Luke 10.1. After these things, after he had sent the apostles out, the 12 apostles, now he sent out 70 disciples. A disciple is a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. How would he be able to follow us of Jesus Christ? Okay, what he did was he sent them out. That is the word apostello. He apostolically commissioned them. He sent them to go into a territory and prepare that territory that he could come into it. They had to go there and do things that would make room for him to come and impact the lives of people in that place. Now, the number 70 in the Bible is made up of seven, just the multiple of seven. Seven is always uh, speaks of uh, perfection of God's plan or the complete thing that he has in mind. So when it says this 70, he's talking about a whole generation arising and becoming apostolic and going out and changing a nation and advancing the kingdom of God an amazing thing that God's called us to do. They carried the same apostolic anointing, did the same things the apostles did. Healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, cast out demons, preached the gospel, and brought heaven to earth. That's what an apostolic people do. They have an assignment from God, and they carry themselves like a person that says, I am an ambassador, I am sent, I have got a mission only I can fulfill. Listen, we're going to get on to discovering what your mission is. God has designed a mission no other person in this body can fulfill. There is only you can fulfill it. Now, you see what happens in a church? People get all funny. They look at one another and compare one another. But listen, all of that leads to foolishness. What we have to understand is I am uniquely created for a mission that's suited only for me, not for anyone else. So I don't need to worry about what others are doing. I do need to be busy doing what God called me to do. Let's have a look here in in, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Now we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. We are a fine piece of art. Very expensive piece of art at that. You're a very expensive person. Costs you a lot for God to make you. Costs a lot for Him to actually redeem you. But you're very expensive, and He hasn't finished. He's still working on you, so it's okay. Tell someone, God's still working on me. <laughs> Don't nod your head so vigorously back. Yeah, I, you know, we know we're, we're in agreement with that one. Keep going with God. Yay, God, keep doing it. 
And notice says you are creator. That word created means to fabricate something for a unique purpose. So I'm special in God's eyes. You are special in God's eyes. Created uniquely to accomplish something nothing, no one else can do. In it, you're created uniquely in that it requires your passions, your giftings, your desires, your temperament, your makeup, your background experience. All of that is necessary to do the things God called you to do. And there's no one like you. So you are the only one who can fill this thing. And we'll try and lay out what it will involve in a moment. And it says, we're created in Christ Jesus under, good, under works. Under good works, Jesus said, the works I do, you will do also. So this word works is not being busy. It's not about just doing stuff and filling up your life. It's actually the supernatural power of God being brought to earth through ordinary believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now the gifts of the Spirit are given to every believer. That means every believer is called by God to bring heaven to earth supernaturally. Every believer called. Now the thing about a call is you can say yes or no to it thing about a call is you can say yes and fulfill it faithfully or say yes and disqualify yourself on the way. We want to fulfill the call of God. So notice that God prepared them beforehand. So before anyone thought about you, God had designed something unique that only you can fulfill. So I could not, and God can't, find anyone that'll fit what only you can do. And if you don't do it, there's a hole. There's a gap. You're needed. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 12, you can't say to someone else, I don't need you. Actually, we need one another. Because to reach our community, it'll need every one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us. Okay, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 10. We'll get to this word metron now. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. And uh, Paul is talking about a measure, something God has measured out. And he talks about in 10 verse 13, he uses like this, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 10. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And he says this. He says, uh, we don't compare ourselves, verse 12. We don't compare ourselves. We don't measure ourselves by looking at someone else. Foolish. You just end up crazy. So he says what? We don't boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere God has appointed to us, a sphere which includes you. Uh, in the original King James, it says, according to the measure of the rule God has distributed to us. Now, I'll get out these words so you just understand what they mean. The word measure means to measure something out. In other words, you take a stick and you measure it out. Now, when I had a shirt made overseas. It was measured. And what did they do? They measured it for me. You tried to wear it, probably too big or too small because it's measured for me. Now, God has measured something for you. He measured it out just for you. And it says, what has he measured? He's measured, he's given us uh, the measure of the rule. That word rule is a word meaning a sphere or area where you are to exercise authority and advance the kingdom of God. So this is what Paul is saying. I have a measure, a sphere of influence God has measured out to me. I don't go beyond it. I dare not go beyond it, but I will fulfill it. So what he's saying is this, God has measured and designed something uniquely for me, an area I am to give myself to advance the kingdom of God and bring his government into that. You also have something measured out to you, an area called your metron where God has called you to advance his kingdom 
And we'll show exactly what that means in a moment, to bring heaven into earth in that area. And no one but you can do it. If you don't do it, we'll show you in a moment what the problems will be. And you have to choose what it's going to be. So every one of us has an assignment from God, and we have been given enough authority and enough capacity and grace to be able to fulfill that assignment. Our job is to discover the assignment and then to embrace it and fulfill it. We're going to help you do that in a moment. First of all, what is it that God wants me to do? Well, fortunately, not hard to find that out. And we go back into Genesis chapter 2, and we'll get the idea from here. This is where the original apostolic mandate came from. It was originally given to Adam and Eve. They messed up. Then it was restored by Jesus. Now he's given it to us. But here's what, Jesus, what God told Adam. Verse 8. Now the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Isn't that interesting? God planted a garden. Now a garden means it's a fenced area or an enclosed area in which there are plants. And obviously there were very many, and it was incredibly beautiful. God gave Adam a metron. What did God intend? That Adam would rule the whole world. So what did he give him? A bit to start with. He measured a portion for him. That was his metron, his garden. God has a garden for every person. He has measured out, and I'll just show you exactly what that is shortly, something that you, that's your garden, that's your area to nurture, cultivate, develop, and so on. Now look what God told him to do. It says God took the man, verse 15, put him in the garden of, uh, of Eden. Put him in, that word Eden means uh, literally to bring delight or pleasure. So God designed man to bring pleasure. And he put man in a garden he created, a metron, an area of responsibility, and it was to bring pleasure to God. Now let's have a look what he had to do. It says, uh, it says in verse uh, 15 there, it says he commanded him to tend it and to keep it. Or in the original King James, it's to dress it and to keep it. What does that mean? He gave him two things you've got to do. Number one, that word dress means to cultivate a garden so it produces good fruit. How many know your garden, if you leave it, becomes a bit of a mess? And in fact, actually, if you look around here in Oaks Bay, you look at the vineyards, you have to cultivate vineyards if you want the best produce to come off it. You just can't leave them alone. You have to shape them. You have to direct them. You have to put your influence and creativity on it to get the great fruit. You still get some fruit, but you just won't get as much. And so Adam was given the mandate to cultivate. Now that word to cultivate or to dress also means to serve or to work. So God said, I want you to work you're going to be a, your work is cultivating, and it's how you serve me is you cultivate the garden to produce fruit. That word uh, to cultivate also means to worship God. So he says, you will worship me and express what I'm like as you cultivate and produce fruit in your garden, in your metron. When you do it, you are showing that you are serving me and you're bringing my creativity there. You will honor me and show your love for me by cultivating what I've given you responsibility over. So what are you doing with the garden God gave you? Because it's where you, it's not just your work, it's how you worship God. In church, we have all the spiritual things and natural things. Where on earth did you get that idea from? God says, whatever I do, whatever I put my hand to, is my act of worship to Him. If you thought that way in your business, it would change how you do business. Because you'd be thinking, this is an act of worship to God. I can't be blessed if I have corruption in it and dishonesty in it. 
But you see what we've done, oh, natural and spiritual, so you come to church, that's spiritual, come to work, that's natural. No, God's idea was work was spiritual, with a natural outworking, and it was a way of worshipping God. And it was designed to cultivate and produce huge fruit, and God is honoured when we bring forth fruit. Even Jesus said, my Father is honoured when you bring forth fruit. Okay, now what's the second thing he had to do? Second thing he had to do was to keep it. Man, that means to be a watchman, put a hedge around it, or to be a spiritual overseer of the garden. Now that implies there was an enemy. You would never have to protect something if there's no thieves around. I remember years ago, I used to leave our doors unlocked, windows unlocked, everything was like you walk, even leave a bike unlocked and you come back, it's still there. Leave your car unlocked with the keys, it was always still there. But not so now, there's a thief around. It's changed. So there was clearly a thief. God told him, you have to subdue and have dominion. That means there's something to subdue, something to exert a force against. So God made it clear, there's a spiritual enemy will come and try and mess up the garden and try and seize from you the mandate I gave you to cultivate the garden and then use it against you. Okay then, so what does it mean? Uh, so uh, first of all, to cultivate the garden means this. It means you must be personally present and involved in your garden. It won't get better by praying about it. You've got to get engaged and work your garden. See, second thing is you have to develop a vision for the garden God's given you. What it could look like, how you can develop it. Uh, thirdly, we need to work at cultivating the environment which in which it grows. And then finally, we need to enjoy the fruit of it. So whatever you, right now, you are enjoying the fruit of your labors. And if you haven't labored, or you've labored, or you've been neglectful, you're also reaping the consequence of that. So we're eating now the fruit of yesterday's decisions. Get any idea? Okay, so to keep it means I must become aware of the spiritual influences affecting my garden. I must be aware of the spirit realm. I must be aware of any demonic activity. And then I must arise and govern it and shut it down. Okay? So you see then, what was given to Adam was a metron, a garden. He had to cultivate it and get engaged and involved and have a vision and work with it so that it produced fruit and he could eat the fruit and enjoy the fruit. And secondly, he had to guard and protect it from spiritual defilement and invasion. And he was given authority to do it. Got the idea? Now, now we've got the idea. Now you can see that God has also got a garden for you. And we can begin to look and ask ourselves, what is the garden God has given me? What is the metron God has given me? What is the garden He's given me to cultivate, to get engaged in it, and make it produce fruit? What is the garden God's called me to spiritually govern and take authority over any negative spiritual influences? Well, we're going to list it for you so you can see it very easily. And uh, I, I looked at this, and, and, uh, and this is when you see what your metron is, you realize it's totally unique to you. No one else can do it. There's just no one else can do it. Only you can. And if you don't, if you fail like Adam failed to recognize that an enemy will come in, you'd be like that movie I saw some time ago, Snakes on Planes. And, uh, and I went to the, I was on a plane actually, it was a horrible thing. When I turned on this channel, there's the snakes on a plane. I thought, oh, that looks like it could be interesting. And this guy had put a whole cargo of, of, uh, of snakes, poisonous snakes. He was using money. He, was, he put them in this cargo and he put them on the, the plane. Unfortunately, the, the box broke open and the snakes got out. Now you can imagine being in an enclosed plane 
a metron. It's enclosed. It's boundary. There's no way out. And snakes, hundred snakes, poisonous, aggressive snakes are now on the loose. It was chaos. You know, they go in the toilet. There's one drops out, <coughs> bites them like that, and under the seats, <coughs> bite them like that. And you think, ah, 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 I'll never go on a plane again. Well, I had to watch. <laughs> And uh, so, so there was this battle against the snake. Now, this is exactly what some people's lives are like. They're full of serpents biting them. And, and so much of the church just says, no such thing as the devil, don't have to worry about it. Why did Jesus say, these signs are followed them who believe, they'll cast demons out? Because there are serpents, and we have been given authority over them to deal with them. Whatever comes into your metron, whatever comes into your sphere of influence to try and defile it, you must arise and take authority. So to be apostolic requires spiritual, asserting your spiritual authority. You've got to step up spiritually. You actually have to step up and govern. You have to no longer, oh Jesus, please help me. It's actually, thank you, Lord. You're empowering me in your name. I take dominion over that now. I command that thing to change. It's a different mentality. See? Okay, get the idea? All right, so what is your metron? Uh, here's the first part of it. I'll give, you it in about, I'll give you 10 things that constitute your metron. Very simply. Here, the first one is your personal life. Your personal life. Uh, that means, Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart. So clearly, if you've got to put a guard around your heart, your heart is a garden that has to be guarded and cultivated. Huh? And what do you got to guard? You've got to guard your thoughts. You've got to guard your attitudes. You've got to guard your emotions. You've got to cultivate your inner life so your inner life produces the fruit of the Spirit. And so you're not wandering around angry, <laughs> snarling, depressed. You're not like that. You've got the joy of the Lord because you're cultivating the garden and not letting any spirits of oppression and heaviness settle on you. Remember the bad day? Please pray for me. No, step up and take dominion. Does that make sense? Now here's the thing. No one can do it for you. For years, everyone's been wanting someone else to do it for them. Pray for me. Well, it's okay. We ought to pray for one another, encourage one another. But God's saying now, step up. Pray for yourself. Do something to take dominion. Don't just say, oh, that's just me. Who said it's you? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, peace, love, all those kind of wonderful good things. And here you are, you've got all this stuff in there. That's because you've got snakes in your garden and you won't take dominion. Now you want someone to help you out. Well, we will, but I don't want to keep helping you out. I want you to stand up and take dominion. Give you an idea. Okay, so your personal life. Secondly, your relationship with God is a garden, a metron. You have to cultivate and protect your relationship with God. You said John 15, 5, without me you can't do anything. So to produce spiritual fruit, I must guard and cultivate my relationship with God. Well, isn't that something? See, no one can do that for you either. So no one can handle your thoughts but you, no one can handle your attitudes but you, no one can handle, you're getting the idea, now we're going to keep going out and you realize there's all these things that only you can do. Tell someone next to you, it's time you did it, it's he's talking to you, I know it, I just feel it in my heart that God's talking to you today, you know. Okay, we got it. So what about your finances? Your finances are part of your metron. Oh, well, I'm not good at finances. Hello, 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 is that right? 
Well, unfortunately, finances are a part of your life. You better start to learn how to manage it and govern it and have dominion over it or the snakes will take it all away. And there are a lot of them around, a lot of two-legged snakes. You know, they'll take your money away quickly like that. Just gone. You know, just gone. Get-rich-quick schemes, all kinds of things, you know, extra high interest. Okay, anyway, we're supposed to work and labor and manage our finances because that's how you, it's a, it's a reflection of how you're managing your life. Here's another, your children, your children are part, that's a part of your garden as well. Why is it a part of your garden? Because it's, you will produce fruit that will go on to the next generation and also interact with you over the course of your life. So your children are vital to God. So it tells us in Ephesians 6 verse 4, I think it is, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You have to protect your kids and boundary your kids. You have to spiritually govern them. You can't, you know, many times we've had to pray and release our kids from things that have come around them because they're young and they're vulnerable. Many people brought their children to Jesus because they were subject to spiritual influences. And now he's saying, you need to deal with that. As a parent, you need to govern the spiritual atmosphere in the home. You've got to take dominion. You've got to shape what's in the home and say no to this and cultivate. So when you come into your home, it's a lovely place to be. They and your children are lovely to be instead of a nightmare on Elm Street. You know. Don't bring them here. Quick, shut the doors, lock them, pull the curtain. Not coming in, they'll smash something. There's another. So that's your metron. They're your children, by the way. Don't give them to the school to make them right. And actually, the church isn't there to make them right either. It's your job. We just support you. Uh, okay, oh, we'll go there. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay, then what about your home and property? Well, it's your home and property. It's your metro. It's part of what God's in. How many believe they got the house they're in because God, they prayed and God got them that house? Isn't that wonderful? Eh? Well, if you got, it's your metron then. If God gave it to you, then you better acknowledge it's the metron, something you've got to look after. So that means you maintain it and you look after it and it becomes a wonderful place and a place of blessing. And you know, People don't suddenly speed up and drive past. Or signs go up all around you for sale and the prices are dropping because of your house. That's not good stewardship, you know. Okay, then move on. So <laughs> there's another thing to think about. What about your workplace? Oh, ho, ho. how many believe they got a job because God provided a job for them? We prayed and go, whoa, that must be a metron then. God must have got you just where he wanted you because you have something that you can bring into that no one else can bring. And you're required to take responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere in that place, begin to pray into it, govern it, and let your presence be felt so you influence it in a positive way. Hey, come on, the Bible's clear. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, servants, do it as unto the Lord from the heart with full passion because you're serving God. And when you go to work, you're worshiping God. Oh, I didn't think I was worshiping God. I was just doing this old dumb job, you know? Well, you've divided your life, spiritual and natural, and what you've done is you've lost connection that God wants to have in there, that you're representing him there, and you're to cultivate it and produce fruit. Oh, it's just a dumb job. But listen, if you got a better attitude and saw it as your metron took responsibility and learned how to bring God into it, it would change it. And aren't we called to do that? Or should we delete thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? That applies to your workplace, as well as your home, your family, your finances. Whoa! And there's no one else can do it. Except you, what about your relationships? Well, listen to this. 
How many know God's brought people into your life and they've become your friends and whatever? Great. Yeah, that must be part of your metron too, to cultivate the relationship and guard it that doesn't get blown up on you. Misunderstandings, deceptive spirits, witchcraft, manipulation, all those kind of things. You know? What about now? How many believe that you're in a place, God's put you in a certain place, you know, well, I know that God's put us here. We're in Havelock or we're in Taradale or we're, we're in Laxmere or wherever we are. How many go, God got you there, is that right? That means the neighborhood must be part of your metron as well. You're responsible for what's going on. If we need to have a look around, walk around, find out what's going on, start to pray into it. Someone take dominion over here. Well, there's a drug dealer down there. Well, he's not going to stay there long. I will begin to pray and bring spiritual authority and look to God for ideas what to do to change this deal. This is, the, this is what God is saying to the church. Engage. Engage. Engage your metron. Govern it and produce in it. Great, isn't it, eh? So what about your ministry and the giftings God has given you? Those are your metron. Unfortunately, you may be, you were given a gift of music, but you have to cultivate it. It's your garden to grow. And you've got to put money into it, get the practice in it, and develop it, and then it becomes great. So whatever your gifts are, then, oops, you're called to develop those. Have a look after this. There we go. Are you all right, Salman? There we are. Great. Okay, here's the, last, here's the best one of all. I love this one here. Your Metron. So how many realize now, realize that your Metron, actually no one else can do anything about it? It's yours. And it's got in there the capacity to produce fruit if you will cultivate it and govern it. And no one can do it for you. No one. You can't delegate your metron. It's yours by call and by appointment of God. Jesus appointed the disciples. That means he lifted them up to a different dimension and got them to operate apostolically. And they went out and came back and said, whoa, whoa, you want to see what happens when we pray in your name? Things happen around here. Got the idea? Here's the best one of all. The best one of all is the Bible says you're an ambassador of heaven. So wherever you are, that is your metron. Huh? Come on, back up a bit. Wherever you are, that's where you are. That's where a gateway to heaven is. That's where the embassy of God is. That's where an ambassador for heaven is. Therefore, all around you, wherever you are, you can actually bring influence into there. Instead of looking saying, oh, this is bad, I'm out of here, you say, oh, this is bad, I could do something about this. I could engage it, get involved in it, make a difference. Wherever you go, you carry God to people. But if you forget that, if you forget that and don't own that, and what will happen is you'll never see the kingdom of heaven flow into your metron. You just try hard to be a good person. Just live a good life. It'll be very unfortunate to lack the dimension of power that would make it exciting and interesting. God, today, what will happen today where I go? Oh, I'm there, and so's Jesus. And we're a winning team. I wonder what will happen in that place now. So I'm going out expecting today, wherever I go, something's going to happen today. And I'll look out for it, I'll expect it, I'll pray into it, I'll take dominion in that area. You know, just quietly around. I've done it, seen things change, just like that. I've walked into houses, stopped in the outside the house, prayed, took dominion over the spirits, the atmosphere changed. We had a different deal when we went in there. That's about governing and producing fruit. I'll share with you some other messages how to do this. I want to share with you some vital keys what you actually do 
to engage your metron and then what you have to do actually to govern it and how the Holy Spirit will help you with this. That's why He's given to you, to give you the ideas you need and the power you need to advance the kingdom of God. That is your destiny. Why live so low a Christian experience when God is presenting so much? Why don't we close our eyes right now? I wonder, is there any person here and you're among us today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, but you're thinking there's an emptiness in your heart, a gap in your life, and you say, I would really love to give my life to Jesus Christ. I really, there's a vacuum there. You know, I really want my life to be different, but I, I don't know how to make it different. Well, friend, why don't you just make a decision to open up and welcome Jesus Christ and trust Him? You say, well, I've got a lot of things to put right. Listen, Jesus takes you like you are. Well, I mean, living a good life. Well, listen, the good life isn't going to get you to heaven. It needs personal faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder, is there anyone here today, and you're at that point, you say, I'm willing to give my life to Christ today. I want to give my life to Jesus, become a Christian. Would you raise your hand so I can say, just raise it up clearly so I can say, I want to become a Christian today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone here today? You've come today and you don't know the Lord. You say, today's my day. I want to give my life to Jesus. Why don't you raise your hand? Say, that's me today. Today, I'm coming to Jesus Christ. Today, my life changes. Today, I connect with heaven. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I know I'm at that place right now. Is there anyone here? Anyone here today? And as I've been speaking, you felt God has just suddenly challenged you about the way you look at your life. And you realize, well, God's been speaking to me. I've neglected the garden. I haven't governed it. I've been like Adam. I didn't speak up when I should have spoken up and stopped the serpent talking. I haven't cultivated it. I haven't really actually got a grip on owning this thing. But today God's talking to me. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand and say, God, I'm responding to you today. I hear you calling. There's many hands. God bless you. God bless you right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray for a governing, ruling authority and an apostolic anointing to come around each and every one that have responded today. Father, I pray in the days ahead, they'll begin to see clearly how to arise and begin to use uh, the power and the life and the flow of the Spirit to bring your kingdom into the earth around and produce fruit. Father, we just thank you for this new season we're in. Amen. Before we go, we've got a team to pray for. We've got some an apostolic team going out. They're going up to Cambodia, Joy and Lynn and others on the team. Sue, are you coming to you? Great stuff. That's great. Who else is there? There's others going to come. And we want to pray. And this, this is really, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Pray for Sergeant as well. He's going up to Australia with me next week. Is there, who else is in your team? Mark, fantastic. Mark, Emma, great stuff. Come on, let's give them all a clap. And Billy. Billy. Mate. You found life now. You found life now, you see. God even comes into prisons. Billy's doing an outstanding job in the prison there. He's bringing God into the prison, changing the spiritual atmosphere, changing lives, getting fruit, souls saved, people changing. That's what, that's what we're talking about. That is what we're talking about. Huh? Fantastic. And so we believe in God just come on the wall. And, uh, one of the exciting things was, they had the trip planned and then they couldn't go to one area and then they could go to it. Now they can't go to it, but the one we really want to go to, they can go to. So this is right up the north where the natives are and where it's wild. So that's the bit. That's the bit to go to, where it's wild. And you see, now Linny is just becoming a little on the reckless side. She wants to go where it's wild. 
So I say, that's good. Here There's we go. No Where there's no clothes on up the muck. <laughs> They've got no clothes on, Walla. Don't go there. <laughs> Lenny will be right at home, so will Joy. I've been with Joy to places where they only had half clothes on. I saw what it can do to people. So remember, come back to a cultivated society. Do the best you can. So go on, church, reach your hands out to them. Let's believe for miracles, signs and wonders, the power of the Holy Ghost. Got any other pastors that could come and pray? That'd be wonderful. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for men and women willing to go to the harvest field. We thank you, Lord. And today we send them in the power of the Holy Ghost. We send them with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We send you into Cambodia. We call forth miracles, signs, wonders, souls saved. We call forth the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon this team. Mightily in Jesus' name. Mightily in Jesus' name. Mightily in Jesus' name. Mightily in Jesus' name. Mightily. Open eyes. Blind eyes healed. Deaf ears open. Broken hearts healed. Jesus' name. Oh, Holy Ghost. Ah. Whoa, glory to God. That's right. Come on. That's right. Come on, drink it in, Holy Ghost. Drink it in. Yes. Power into his life today, Lord. Power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Lord, open him his eyes. Thank you, Lord. Come on, use them mightily. Power! Thank you, Lord. Well, this is exciting, isn't it, eh? Already we've planted about three Bible schools up in Cambodia. Going to go and plant another couple. And uh, there'll be heaps of people saved. The people that we've trained up there in the past teams have gone out and they've been delivering people and healing people and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like a fire going out in all the provinces. So the guy we're working with, he's got a vision to go into every province. Now get this, it was from the provinces that all the killing started. It was in the provinces that people came into the city to drive them out of the city back into the provinces. And it's in the provinces God is moving to bring great healing and great restoration. It's only a decade or so, 20 years ago, that so many of these people that they'll go to were involved in murder and genocide. And they'll go to them. And, and many that we've already trained are going to them. And people are being delivered and released and severed. This is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So maybe some of you feel to financially bless them or whatever. That'd be good too. But let's pray for them while they're away. Pray for them while they're away. Pray for them while they're away. Isn't that right? Pray while they're away. Glory to God. Amen. Come on, you sergeant, just come. Thank you, Lord. Just take your hand. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost coming around his life today. Father, I thank you for an increase of prophetic anointing and the opening of doors, not only in Australia, but in other places as well. Father, let favor come upon him to the point, Lord, where he has got so many things, he has to listen carefully to what to do. Father, I just pray an increase and enlargement and a prospering in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, Holy Ghost, touch his life. Well, what a great day this is, isn't it? Why don't we stand up and just give the Lord a clap, celebrate. We'll see you back tonight. I want to pray for people, minister to people.
I want to uh, especially thank the musicians. This is the first time they've done two morning services. Light people, sound people, the serving teams, they've all been on from about 8 o'clock this morning right through to 12.30. Isn't that something? Why don't we give them a great clap? One, two, three. Well done. Okay. Come on, let's just sing to the Lord as we celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, all you're doing. And just remember, when you walk out there, you're entering your metron. When you turn to the person next to you, you have just entered your metron, and you're going to bring fruit with that person, or you're going to tick them off. So bring forth godly fruit. Amen? God bless you. See you tonight.